I want to narrate a familiar scene to you, but with one difference. You will only be allowed to observe what happens like Jesus' disciples did firsthand, but with a heavy dose of confusion about what's going on. To remind you, there are only a few of them so far, and just so you know, it's only been a couple days since the first couple of days when those few had met him. They're still getting to know each other in the context of him, and now they're in the Galilean hill country at a fairly nice house, and, well, I'll just describe to you what their night looks like. They had arrived to town in the company of Jesus, who, and this was interesting to them, had been joined since yesterday by his mother Mary, a lovely woman who'd come up from their town, Nazareth. Each of his new young followers was fascinated by watching their interactions. And in fact, it was because Mary had joined their journey, and because she had friends in this particular town, that what was about to happen was about to happen. Mary had stepped out to go to the market and then returned. She, delighted, had gotten them all invited to the Nisuin celebration that was happening on the other side of town. It had already been going on for some time, but Jesus and his friends were pleased, as anyone is pleased, to enjoy free food, free drinks, and the fun of that ending of a couple's betrothal period. They arrived after dark. The disciples could see that things had gotten off on a right foot for this party. It was at the home of one of the richest men in town who, quite graciously, was letting a less well-off family throw the party in his courtyard. Top to bottom, see, hear what the disciples experienced. Overhead, a cloudless, full-moon-lit sky, a warm, quiet breeze blowing through the palm trees surrounding the property. Lanterns scattered throughout the whole courtyard, their soft golden light shining lovely against the scene. On the far side, a local group of musicians playing their music raucously. In the middle ground, the whole town swirling on the dance floor. Even walking in, it was obvious which two were the bride and groom. The whole party danced with them at the center of everything. The disciples headed for the food and the wine. They ate and drank and then began to mix in with the dancing. The wine started to hit, and everything about this night became warm, joyous, relaxed, hilarious, simply perfect. Then, and this during a breather they took from the heat of the dance floor, standing out on the cool, lamp-lit periphery of all the party's action. Well, then, the disciples watched, over opposite and away from all the excitement going on, a conversation happening between Jesus and his mother. She drew Jesus aside, clearly speaking in low tones. He smiled, shook his head, made as if to walk away. Then she, turning around the other way, seeing a team of the rich man's servants, 
beckon them to come over. She then turned and called Jesus back, who came back. She then gestured at the servants that they should pay attention to her son, and then she walked away. His disciples were now watching with complete attention. They watched Jesus sigh resignedly as he ran his hand over the side of his face. Then he was saying something to the servants and pointing, seeming to his disciples to be indicating the ceremonial vats nearby. The servants went and peered inside them. They dumped out six that had less remaining water in them. Then, and this is where the disciples' interest went from interested to completely fascinated, they started to run back and forth to the well, back and forth, back and forth, carrying water. Over the next 20 or 30 minutes, they they must have each come and gone 30, 40, 50 times until all six jars were filled to the brim. All that while, Jesus stood watching the dancing, a smile on his lips, knowing all, all knowing. The servants, visibly sweating with all the effort of all the trips to the well, then came and stood beside him. One of them spoke. He replied with a slight gesture, pointing. The servants all looked at each other, bewildered. They stepped back and conferred. Then one of them, taking a clay wine cup from off a nearby table, walked over to one of the vats and dipped it in, held it up. He then crossed across the side part of the courtyard through a narrow arcade and re-emerged in the direction of the owner of the house. This man was standing where a torch's light lit his face. The servant, head bowed, approached, held up the cup for his master's taking. The rich man looked at him, somewhat confused. He took the cup, and took a sip. And the disciples of Jesus, standing on that opposite side of the courtyard, seeing all this, now saw the look in the eyes of the rich man drinking. He looked at his servants, shocked. He was then clearly asking them a question or making a statement. Then shouting so as to make himself heard above the noisy music of the musicians, he beckoned to the groom to come and talk with him. The young man left the dance floor and his bride. He shook his head at the question the owner of the house quite obviously asked. That party went on till something like 4.30 in the morning. And just so you know, Jesus had almost never stopped dancing. Well, as you can tell, I have thought a lot about this scene. And and I have to say, I do have a particular affection for everything we see of Jesus here. 
In fact, there's a chance that far more of my theology of Jesus has been formed from this scene than from so many other famous scenes in the Gospels. Why? Well, I want you to listen to something that the Apostle Paul later wrote. And then, in light of the wedding at Cana, I want to try to explain myself. So I'm going to read to you Romans 5, 1 through 5 in the Phillips translation. Since then, it is by faith that we are justified. Let us grasp the fact that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have confidently entered into this new relationship of grace. And here we take our stand in happy certainty of the glorious things He has for us in the future. This doesn't mean, of course, that we have only a hope of future joys. We can be full of joy here and now, even in our trials and troubles. Taken in the right spirit, these very things will give us patient endurance. This, in turn, will develop a mature character, and a character of this sort produces a steady hope, a hope that will never disappoint us. Already, we have some experience of the love of God flooding through our hearts by the Holy Spirit given to us. My friends, I sometimes think we accept the truths of what I just read without remembering the reality of the joyous character of the one who makes it all so. It is the the 120 gallons of wine Jesus who is the center of our faith and who has once for all time justified us. It's the let's keep this party going Lord of all creation who is the one who has eternally, irrevocably made our peace with the Father. Our confidence in this new relationship of grace is confidence in that greatest party planner Cana in Galilee had ever seen. We, you and I, take our stand alongside one who now re-enters the dance floor, twirling around. He is our happy certainty of the glorious things still to come. Just about three years after that night, at a beginning of its ministry, just as fascinating as the beginning of Jesus' ministry right here, well, the early church's first men and women filled with the Holy Spirit will be standing on a balcony looking out over a crowd of thousands on, you know it, Pentecost morning. But do you remember, do you know what someone is going to shout at them in jest? They're all drunk on the new wine. And I would say, yes. Yes. The Holy Spirit flooding through their hearts was and is their and our experience of the love of God indwelling inwardly. He has been offered us unreservedly by Jesus. Yes. The Holy Spirit, the new wine, will never disappoint us because the Holy Spirit is the hope of God who steadily lives within us. Yes, the Holy Spirit is our new life, our mature character like Jesus's, 
He is our endurance, our joy, our steadfast certainty. Friends, the Jesus who saw that party dying, the joy draining from the festivities, is the very same Jesus in whom we have placed our hope. When you want to know what sort of savior you have, what kind of life to which you've been called, like its flavor, oh, I beg you, look at that night in Cana. Friends, this is our life. This is our Jesus. I wonder what you're hearing as you listen to me talk about it. Thanks for listening.